Eight years ago, I was sitting at home during the summer between college semesters, and I came across a video online. It's over an hour and a half long, seemingly homemade, filmed on a shaky handheld camera, and it takes place in the middle of the woods. The star was a wiry, short old man wearing baggy overalls, a flannel shirt, and a crumpled fedora with feathers and other animal parts stuck in the band. He had a big, bushy gray beard, skin that had obviously been baked in the sun over the years, and he usually had a cigarette dangling from his lip. I was immediately taken with him. He spoke in quick, mumbled mountain talk and seemed to barely acknowledge the camera, except for to give a quick aside about soil quality, the presence of certain weeds, and the desired height of the foliage. This was Marvin Popcorn Sutton, and he was, rather, is, a legend. You might have even heard of him if you're from Appalachia, or are a fan of a certain type of Discovery or History Channel documentary series. Well, it's a nice day to get out in the hunter's tail side, ain't it? We'll go out here and down the back side of this mountain. And we'll check a place or two down there and see if we can find some water. Pretty hard to find a place back out of the way where nobody won't find you, you know. There's a whole lot of damn nosy people around anymore. In the video, Popcorn bushwhacks through head-high weeds on a clear, bright day, following the sound of babbling mountain brooks looking for a special, secluded place. Had to watch for damn snakes. This place is full of copperheads and rattlesnakes. I damn sure don't want to get bit by one of them today. That's all I'd need. I've stomped through these damn weeds many of times trying to find the water. Got branch lettuce growing on it too, see right here? That's what you call branch lettuce. That's good stuff. You can take and cut it up and put onions in it, pour hot grease on it. That's some fine eating with cornbread. But we'll go on up higher and get out of the clearing here so much we we'll get up in the woods where nobody can't find us too easy. This part is important because while all of this is being filmed for posterity's sake, if anyone were to catch him doing what he's trying to, he could end up in a whole heap of trouble. Because what he's doing isn't what you might exactly call legal. He's looking to make moonshine. And the first thing he needs to do is find a place to put his still. His last still. Boy, there's plenty of good clean water right there. There ain't nobody lives above this. I think right here would be the damn real place to set it. Just dig out right in here and set it right in there. When you see these water weeds like this are growing along the branch, that's a sign the water will make some real liquor. This is a hell of a way to make a living, making this goddamn liquor. This will be the last damn run I ever make, though. After this is filmed, Popcorn Sutton will pass away. Not right away, but soon relative to his long, well-lived life. But before that happens, he has a mission. 
an old holler tree down the road here from me Where you lay down a dollar or two Then you drive round the bend when you come back again There's your jug full of Mountain Dew Oh, they call it that old Mountain Dew And them that refuse it are few Oh, I'll shut up my mug if you fill up my jug After driving through the winding mountain roads of Haywood County, North Carolina, in a rickety 72-year-old Model A Ford, Popcorn Sutton parks, goes to the engine to put more oil in, and puts a homemade cap on the tank made out of an old Pepsi can. Popcorn doesn't need a mechanic, or even the right parts. It's how he likes to operate, on his own, or at least within a carefully curated circle of trust. You know, there's people that pay $100 just to get to watch this go on. Do you know that? This right here is going to be second to none, because nobody will never do this again. This is the last time I'm going to ever do it. Once Popcorn has settled on a spot with clear running water and enough coverage to shield himself from prying eyes, he and his assistant, you will only occasionally see, JB, build a small shack nearby. On the shack is a sign they've obviously handmade that says... Popcorn and J.B. Raiders Moonshine Shack. Keep your damn ass out. Too many goddamn nosy son bitches after me. Telling on me. Whatever. While owning a still in North Carolina is legal, and using it to produce alcohol for ingestion is also for the properly licensed, Popcorn was never one to look for others' approval before moving forward with his plans. He likes to make moonshine, or liquor as he calls it, that's L-I-K-K-E-R, the old-fashioned way, the way bootleggers did, off the grid and off the books. I've dug ditches, I've worked on construction, I've done everything. And there ain't nothing no harder than what I'm doing, but it's, I just, it's just in my blood. I swore when I was a little old kid, if I ever got big enough, I'd, I'd make liquor and haul it. Popcorn made liquor building stills in the middle of the woods and on remote property since as early as the 1970s, if not before that. Over the years, he avoided significant legal trouble, only ever receiving probation for his multiple previous offenses of selling untaxed liquor. And even that didn't stop him from his work. He was so bold as to sell his self-published book, Me and My Liquor, as well as a homemade VHS tape of the same name, out of his junk shop in Maggie Valley, North Carolina, since 1998, allowing him to slowly grow his regional fame as a crass but wise sage, the keeper of the true, quality way of distilling moonshine. This is where Popcorn's status as a legend really took off. While he'd been well-known in East Tennessee and Western North Carolina for years at this point for his wares, Word of his methods and character now began to spread far and wide. He perfectly embodied everything a lot of people wanted an old moonshiner to be. He didn't come from or make much money, wore the same clothes almost every day, and had trouble with the law. He was foul-mouthed, but known to be kind-hearted. He also constantly publicly remarked about his lack of care for those who butted into his business or cast judgment on him. This is the last damn run of liquor I'm going to ever make. And I guess 
I guess them revenue officers will be glad of that because they won't have to watch me no damn more. They've been watching me all my life. That's what they should have been doing to start with instead of fooling somebody for a drink of liquor. Ain't nobody gonna work this damn hard no way, not nowadays, they don't have to. Neil Hutchison, a documentary filmmaker from North Carolina, met Popcorn in 2002 while working on a film called Mountain Talk, which Popcorn fit perfectly into. After that, the two worked out a deal where Hutchison would film Popcorn in the woods of Haywood County, North Carolina, near his hometown of Maggie Valley, over the course of a few days in June. That film, fittingly titled This Is the Last Damn Run of Liquor I'll Ever Make, was what I was watching. This is going to be some of the finest liquor that's ever been made in the world. Now, this is going to be the last damn steel furnace I ever built. I mean, this. I just done this on account of making this video so people could see how, an old, how rough an old moonshiner's life was. Hutchison produced the first cut of the film for Popcorn to sell personally on VHS tapes out of his junk shop. But the footage was later reworked as a documentary for PBS called The Last One which brought Popcorn a new wave of notoriety. But this is the last damn run of liquor I'll ever make always stuck with me as the quintessential popcorn. It's raw, homemade, lo-fi, without any narration and only a few minutes of music. It doesn't hold your hand to tell a clean story. If anything, it's a loose how-to video. The rest of the movie involves Popcorn giving viewers tips on how to distill their own moonshine while Neil films, only occasionally breaking his silence to ask Popcorn clarifying questions about why he's slapping red clay onto a stovepipe or what materials people will need. To set up a still, you need the pot, the cap, the thump keg, the worm, the cooling tub. Uh, well, you've got to have tools, of course. An axe and a shovel and a hole and stuff to dig out the hole with to put the pot. And then you've got to carry in the ingredients to make the liquor out of, of course. Corn, malt, and sugar. If you use this mountain dirt here, it'll fall out of the rocks when they get hot. But this red clay here, it come out of Tennessee. We went there and got it the other day. And once that mud sets up, I tell you what. It'll be harder than a Methodist minister's pecker. <laughs> Boy, there ain't nothing to making this damned old liquor, is there? All you gotta do is sit on your ass and make old liquor. That's all you have to do. Beats all I ever goddamn seen. And all's in this is yellow sweet corn, uh, yellow corn malt, and sugar. And water, that's all in it. It don't put off a lot of smoke, see. When you're making liquor out in the woods like this, you want to keep the smoke down as much as you can. Some nosy son of a bitch will see it and call the law on you. Making moonshine is a time-consuming and hard process. After the stove's been built, caked with clay and filled with ingredients, there's a period of waiting and monitoring it. Neil uses this as an opportunity to ask Popcorn more questions about his process, but also his life, reasons for making moonshine, and his motivations for filming this particular run. How many jars of liquor do you think you've made in your life? They hell far. I don't even guess they make numbers that damn long. 
Better ask me one time. <coughs> said, you got any liquor? I said, I'll tell you what you do. I said, you bring your 18-wheeler and I'll bust the damn tires on it. <laughs> That's a little bit of liquor. Some of this liquor I've heard of. I've heard them name, different names for it, like Painter Piss and Who Shot John, Block and Tackle. You drink about a pint of it and walk a block and tackle any damn thing you see. White Mule, I've heard you call that. And Two Cats Are Fighting, Splo, Alley Jim. I can't think of more right now. I will like five maybe. I've got that CRS disease. I meet up with it. Can't remember shit. Yeah, I've made all kinds of liquor in, in my time. I've made the fighting kind, the loving kind, the crying kind. I even made some one time and sold it to this couple. They was happily married the next damn week as divorced. What kind are you making today? Well, this I'm gonna make today. Got four damn fights to a pint. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Number five, I'd say we got nine more jars to go. If you're from Cobb County, you know him very well. Popcorn was a doozy, he's in and out of jail. He sold it on the mountain, he sold it on the hill. He sold it at the flea market and on his way to jail. I've had my picture right on the front page two times for this. 1974, 1998. Well, they thought I was making a dollar that they didn't get. You know how the world is. They see you making a dollar and they don't get half of it. Makes them greedy as hell, I reckon. I hope whoever turned me in, by God, May they rest in hell is all I can say about it. And they probably will. Would you say that moonshine is less common than it used to be? Why hell, you can't find it no more. I mean, decent liquor's gone. Cause ain't nobody gonna work this hard what you've seen me work today anymore. What about the moonshine you can get for five bucks for a quart or whatever, you know? Five dollars a half gallon? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't want to drink none of it, because I'd say it'd take hair off a wooden leg. If it wasn't for liquor, a lot of people would have died. See, most people are just drunk it to get drunker than hell off of them, but you can make some valuable medicine out of it. You can make cough syrup, which consists of honey, any kind of candy, lemon juice, a shake of black pepper, and liquor. That makes the best cough syrup ever was. My mom used to have a, every time that they'd come up there to play music at the house, she'd, them guys, they'd always bring a jar of liquor with them. Make music all night long, banjo, guitar, fiddles, all night long. 
she'd get her a little pint jar and she'd go around and ask them if they'd, if they'd give her some of that liquor to make medicine out of it. And of course she would. So she'd put her a block of asphyd in it. And I started drinking that when I was six years old. I'd get in her medicine cabinet, get me a big sip of that, and I'd on cloud nine for a couple of hours. Cause hell, I didn't drink it for the medicine effect of it. I drank it for the damn alcohol. But uh, I got addicted to that stuff. I love it right today. I don't even keep it around me, because if I did, I'd, I'd drink it all the time. Suddenly, Popcorn notices the stovepipe begins to steam, and clear liquid begins to drip from a spigot. Oh, she's ready to put the cap on. See the steam coming out of it? That's, that's liquor I'm losing. Oh, hell, where's that damn funnel at? See that liquor come out that stick? See it'll follow that stick. To show how potent the liquor is before being tempered, Popcorn does something I can only describe as reckless. Watch what it does when you throw it in the fire. Popcorn takes a tin cup full of the liquor and tosses it directly into the stove's open flame. And as soon as it hits, a gout of blue fire flares up before settling back into the hearth. He does this several times throughout, usually for fun or to show the handful of locals who come to visit the strength of the alcohol. That blue fire come out there? Good liquor. The hell how high? Nah, damn, I reckon high. They heck far, I reckon. Why, it's higher than I seen on them big rigs. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> Smells good, though, don't Enough to get ten people drinking. Boy, that's pretty. Damn. Damn, I believe that's where I have five fights to a pint instead of four. God damn. Take your drink of that. That's some of the best. You drink that half of, half of that a half of that teacup right yonder full of that. You'd not get off this damn mountain, I'll guarantee you. No, you'd be laying somewhere. You'd be piled up right over in them weeds. <laughs> it's that powerful. I'm They say that smoking and drinking will kill you. I don't believe that. Cause my granddad lived to be somewhere around 90 years old. And when he died, I said that damn old liquor and them cigarettes killed him. I don't believe it. So I ain't gonna worry about it. I ain't gonna see 90 anyway, it don't matter. Like Duke Kegel said one time. <coughs> he said, when I die, he said, so they say, well, old dude, he's a good old feller. Been here, he's gone now. Said, they, said they'll mention my name for a couple of days after they bury me. But he said, I'll be damned, said, when, when popcorn set never dies, said, it, it, it will never be stopped talking about. Said, it'll be a thing that'll last forever as long as time does. Old dude's a good friend of mine. I guess no matter what kind of, how you get your money, I mean, if you put it in the right place, I guess 
the good Lord probably bless you for it anyway. Whether you got it selling taters or making liquor, don't matter, don't reckon. Don't to me anyway. Like I said, this is the damn last run of liquor that men JB will ever fool with. I wouldn't do it now, but yeah, just want to make this video so the younger folks can see what a hell of a life a moonshiner has. Because when I'm gone, the damn liquor's gone. And I'm just about gone. Popcorn keeps returning to that last bit throughout the film, constantly talking about this being his last run of liquor he'll make. I mean, it is the title. I'm just doing this to show people what it's all about, or I wouldn't be up here busting my ass doing this. Maybe somebody will appreciate someday what, what I'm doing, you know. Because in the next five years, there won't be no more moonshine liquor. Be a thing of the past. And I'll be dead for then anyway, so it don't matter. These somewhat veiled statements suggest he has some bigger plans. Or is it the very least tired from the years of hiding, hunched over makeshift copper stills and mason jars in the middle of the forest? The reason I had been watching this and was so taken with it was not that I wanted to make my own hooch, or that I had some connection to the locale or practice. I was watching because Popcorn was undeniably unique. He was wild, crass, funny, but sweet and forthright. And the dramatic irony of knowing what happened to him after he filmed this documentary made his story all that much more tragic and poignant. The movie wasn't actually a document of Popcorn's last run. Or maybe it was. We just don't know for certain. But true or not, for someone of his age and experience, this was no small moment. He had spent years refining his craft, experimenting with style, materials, timing, honing the practice down to a science, but doing so with the spirit of an artist. Whether this was his last, or he had done some other secret runs later on, in March 2008, Popcorn made the mistake of telling an undercover officer he had more than 800 gallons of moonshine spread across different locations, ready to sell. This led to an ATF raid on his property, led by a man named Jim Cavanaugh, whose esteem stems from his involvement as a special agent and negotiator in the Waco siege in 1995 and the DC sniper shootings in 2002. Kavanaugh would later proclaim, Moonshine is romanticized in folklore and in the movies. But the truth is that moonshine is a dangerous health issue and breeds other crime. The raid uncovered all the moonshine, some hidden in a shed and more in a dilapidated old school bus, but also turned up three 1,000-gallon stills, copper line, and hundreds of gallons of sour mash and other ingredients, as well as guns and bullets, which, due to popcorn status as a felon on probation in the state of Tennessee, were illegal for him to possess. One blogger who posted a story about the few times he met and bought from popcorn 
wrote that in Popcorn's house, his ceiling was covered in $1 bills that had been thumbtacked to it, which allegedly had to be taken down to pay his bail. Almost a year later, in January 2009, Popcorn pled guilty to charges of illegally distilling spirits and possession of a 38 caliber handgun as a felon. A legendary mountain moonshiner is headed to prison for violating federal firearms and liquor laws. A federal judge in Tennessee today sentenced Popcorn Sutton to 18 months in prison and three years probation. When the judge read out the sentence, he showed little emotion. But a few of those supporters actually started crying. They say it's an emotional day because they'll miss having popcorn around, but they're also concerned about his health. To add another sad layer on top of this story, Popcorn had recently been diagnosed with cancer. Between his age and sickness, Popcorn asked the judge if he could serve his sentence under house arrest, and several petitions were made by others requesting his sentence be reduced. He's just a last of a dying breed. Even the judge said, you know, I mean, Marvin Popcorn Sutton is from the old school. Uh, to me, Popcorn's an ambassador. The people come to Maggie Valley, Haywood County, to talk to Popcorn. So I think he's a good guy, and I wish him the best of luck, and, and uh, I hope he gets an appeal, and he does, he does come out of it. Unfortunately, the judge didn't agree. Citing Popcorn's probation he was still serving, five previous convictions, and his public dissemination of moonshining wisdom. Popcorn Sutton wasn't taken into custody today. Instead, the judge gave him permission to report to prison on his own. The Bureau of Prisons will notify Popcorn as to exactly when and where he will start serving his sentence. Popcorn didn't talk to reporters before or after today's sentencing, but he did speak briefly in court. He told the judge he's a very sick man and that he's done making moonshine. During all of this trouble with the law, Popcorn had supposedly confided his methods in a business partner, who, along with some others, would begin marketing and producing a legal replica of Popcorn's moonshine, under the name Popcorn Sutton's Tennessee White Whiskey. On March 15, 2009, just a few days before he was scheduled to report for his sentence, they sent a photographer named Andy Armstrong to take promotional photos for the product. Popcorn gave Armstrong two and a half hours of time and showed him all around the property. He apparently tried to sell him all manner of tools and possessions during this, and also Popcorn posed for portraits. Armstrong said, That day, something in Popcorn's eyes made him seem tired. Or maybe weak. He was living with cancer, after all. Armstrong also noticed the electronic monitor on Popcorn's wrist, remarking it resembled a Timex watch, but soon remembered Popcorn was currently under house arrest until he reported.
Popcorn was only allowed to leave one day a week to go see his doctor on Mondays. The next day, on Monday, March 16, 2009, the day before he was to report to prison, Popcorn Sutton got into his green Ford Fairmont to drive to the doctor, but instead drove to a remote section of his property. His wife of two years, Pam, returned home from running some errands and found him, the car still running, having died by suicide. His daughter, Skye Sutton, said he had told her he would die by suicide rather than go to jail, adding that he had the strength to die the way he lived, according to his own wishes and no one else's. I can't say that I speak for Popcorn even remotely more accurately than his own daughter, but this unfortunate romanticizing of his death is something prevalent in its coverage. People often remark on his rebel attitude and how he wanted to do everything on his own terms, which was true. But it might have just been as true that he was scared, or as Armstrong said, just tired. He was 63 years old. Sadly, Popcorn left behind a community that immensely respected, loved, and would miss him. People from all walks of life turned out today to pay tribute to Popcorn. Yeah, they sure did, Sean. Saturday gave the public a chance to pay their respects to Popcorn. That also included Hank Williams Jr., who said he never met Popcorn, but he knew Popcorn's liquor. Just from his uh, talent. I knew him from his talent and reading about his story. And uh, that's how I knew him like everyone else knew him. He had his public image and he had his private image. But at home, privately, he was a very loving husband. He was very good to me. We're, we're losing parts of our own history. And I want that history to stay alive, even if he's passed on. Now, after the public memorial service, a horse-drawn hearse carried Popcorn's body through downtown Parrotsville before a private burial. And we'll have a lot more on today's memorial service at 11 o'clock on the night meet also. The last moments of the film center around J.B. and Popcorn, having finished the batch of moonshine, dismantling the still. Well, we're gonna tear this son of a bitch down. It'll be the last time it'll ever be put up. The first time and the last, and all at the same time. Hell yeah. It was a long, hard damn day yesterday. It's a long process, which involves breaking up the now hardened red mountain clay caked around the furnace, breaking apart copper pipes and tubing, and ultimately pouring the back ends out of the still and onto the ground basically the leftovers of moonshine distilling. Highly potent, but somewhat murky remnants of all the mixed up ingredients that aren't rendered off during the process. It's a shame to turn this good slop out. Man could put a bag of sugar back in that and yeah, I know. make seven more gallons of real damn liquor. That's just the last one. This is it. We'll drain everything at one time. Thump keg, pot, cooling tub. It'd be going down the drain, ain't it? Them all off be higher than that one. 
Son of a bitch. Harder to tear down it was to put out. Damn. Buddy, this has been a hard ass job. You ain't shit. I don't think I ever want to make any more liquor. No, nope, not me either. Hell, I hate to pour this good stuff out, but I don't need it no more. Look at that corn down the bottom of that, see it? Them, them, them damn wildlife will get drunk now, by God. Them birds, buzzards or crows or whatever eats that there, that corn's full of alcohol. They'll fly into one of them damn trees and bust their damn head. If it wasn't true, it would be too on the nose to believe. Popcorn takes all this run's work, the thing he's poured all of his time and effort and wisdom into, and once he's done, he dumps it out onto the ground to trickle down the hillside and let the birds get drunk off of it. It's going out for its last time. I got all the making liquor I wanted just yeah, I ain't gonna never make no more. Cause I ain't able to start with. About kill me. You carrying your liquor with you? Oh, I ain't got none of the liquor. I give all they can't catch me with none of it cause I give it to my spectators just I had several people up here watching this and they took it home with them for a souvenir more or less. Well I believe I'm gonna head off the mountain if I can get this thing started. <clears throat> With that, Popcorn gets in his Model A and drives off. We don't know if this was his actual last run, but it's unlikely. The size of the still and jars shown is rather small, and we know he was busted with upwards of 800 gallons six years later. But we also don't know if it was an outright lie. He could have meant to pull one over on Neil, viewers of the film, and the revenue officers he assumed were watching his every move which, in hindsight, we sadly know to be true. Or he could have simply realized he didn't want to abandon his craft. So many came to him over the years and asked for his famous white whiskey that it doesn't seem unreasonable that his love for the process would be too strong to resist. It sounds mocking to call it artisanal because of hipster connotations and the recent rural gentrification of Maggie Valley, especially from someone who found his character somewhat appealing. But I think that is the best word to describe it. Popcorn didn't do what he did just to make a buck. He wanted to preserve a way of doing things that was being lost to time and modernization. But at the end of the day, we just don't know. And I think he would have liked it that way. It leaves room for Popcorn's mystery and enigmatic nature to grow. You see, people say a lot about Popcorn, and his ability to hyperbolize and spin a yarn has spread to those he's come in contact with, prompting a proliferation of anecdotes and stories about what he said and when. For instance, it's said he got his nickname from a run-in with a faulty barroom popcorn machine that he destroyed with a pool cue, or shot up with a gun. A kind of tall tale turned true after years of selling his moonshine, but also selling himself. Popcorn was known for his liquor, sure, but he was also known as the one who sold his secrets. From his own telling, his liquor is what made him famous, 
what brought people to him, what allowed him to connect with and be remembered by others. He never made much money from his liquor, living out his days, content to make occasional appearances and sell both his story and his process. Some might see this as a commodification, a selling out, but I don't think it means he was a fraud. It just means maybe we got him wrong. Maybe he wanted to be less Jesse James and more Gordon Ramsay. One thing I can say for certain is that Armstrong, the photographer who visited Popcorn the day before he passed, took one photo that I think perfectly encapsulates what Popcorn wanted his legacy to be. Years before his brush with the law, his diagnosis, and death, Popcorn had a footstone made to go along with his eventual grave marker, which he kept on his front porch. The epitaph on it read, Popcorn said, F*** you. Down the road here from me, there's an old holler tree where you lay down a dollar or two. Go on around the bend, come back again, there's a jug full of that good old Mountain Dew. Oh, they call it that good old Mountain Dew. I'll hush up my mug if you fill up my jug with that good old mountain. You Only Guide Me by Surprise is written, produced, and edited by me, Landry Ayers. The music in this story was by Shake That Little Foot and Blue Dot Sessions. This story would not have been possible without the work and blessing of Neil Hutchison and Sucker Punch Pictures. If you want to see Popcorn for yourself, you can find footage on their YouTube page and on their website, suckerpunchpictures.com. Oh, they call it that good old Mountain Dew, and then they'll refuse it or few. I'll hush up my mug if you fill up my jug with that good old Mountain Dew. If you want to hear more stories like this, and maybe some not so much like it, please follow You Only Guide Me by Surprise wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share it with a friend. Thanks for listening, and you'll hear more from me soon. A preacher rode by with his head hoisted high, said his wife had been down with a flu. He thought that I ought to sell him a part of my good old mountain view. Oh, they call it that good old mountain view. And then they refuse it or few. I'll hush up my mug if you fill up my jug.